Last week, in case you weren't here, <clears throat> the kids came up and they sung the theme song to the VBS. In case you weren't here, it went like this, emotions and everything. You are the one true God. There will never be another. You are the faithful God. Forever we will praise your name. And they sung that. And that was the, the main chorus over and over again. And I heard it all week long, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, and, and the week before and the week after. And, and it just got in your brain, right? And it's just something that won't leave. And I got to thinking that about that last line, forever we will praise your name. And I got to thinking, man, how am I doing with that, right? How, how am I doing? And, and so I thought that's what we talked about today, praise and worship and look at God's glory. And look at how we can then glorify him. You know, and I and I hope that that maybe, you know, sometimes if you're like me, Wednesday comes around and I forgot what the sermon was. And that's nobody's fault but my own. All right. Tuesday, maybe I forgot what the sermon. Was. And when I do that, nothing changes. And my goal, my prayer is that we remember this, you know, and that behaviors are changed to glorify God to praise his holy name. So let me ask you a question. Did you get excited when you got up this morning? Was there a sense of excitement to come and worship this morning? Last night, was there a sense of excitement that we were going to gather with a, a corporately with a body of believers here at Chatham Christian Church and worship this morning? Or was there not? Would you, somewhere deep in your mind or in your heart, would you rather be sleeping in? It's Father's Day. Maybe I should be able to sleep in on Father's Day. Or would you rather be playing golf? There's a foursome out there of your buddies, and they're playing golf. I wish I was there, but I'm going to go to church anyway. What, what was your attitude? You know, God, He doesn't want our leftovers. right? He doesn't want our leftover finances. So at the end of the month, we see what we have left. and we, we No, He doesn't want our leftover stuff. He wants our first fruits. God doesn't want our leftover time. He wants quality time. He doesn't want the end of the day, five minutes. Let me read a quick scripture and say a quick prayer. No, God wants quality time. And he wants quality worship, wholehearted worship from his children. He doesn't want half-hearted worship. Jesus, he deserves our praise for what he did for us on the cross. Worthy is the lamb that was slain forever. We should praise his name. So on the topic, topic of praise, Apostle Paul is a good example for us to look at today. He gives us some insight and some instruction. And, and we're going to look at a couple verses in the book of Philippians. Before we do, let's set the stage a little bit. Okay? Paul is writing Philippians, not from a palace, not from a mansion where he's getting served wine and cheese, but he's in a prison, chained to a Roman guard. Paul is a prisoner. He finds himself in a pretty difficult place. I mean, think about Paul, this dynamic, energetic, faithful servant of the Lord, right, who preached the gospel of Christ far and wide, the gospel of grace far and wide, finds himself in a prison in Rome under house arrest. And, you know, when you read his writings, he's always wanted to come to Rome. That's always been one of his destinations because he knew if he could get to the heart of the Roman Empire, preach the good news, hopefully it would spread like a ripple effect or wildfire. But I can't imagine that Paul thought someday he's going to get to Rome and he's going to be in prison. 
He's not free to go share with people, to work with the church, to build up the body of believers. He's in prison. He's not free to go to the marketplace and build relationships and share with them about Christ. He's in prison. Right? But yet, while he's in prison, he knows that he's there because it's God's will. And he knows who he is in Christ. He knows he's secure in Christ. He knows he's, he's there because he's in God's will for the purposes of God to fulfill something. So he's joyful and he's filled with praise. He remains under house arrest for two long years, two years. And during this time, his financial support starts to dwindle. And part of Philippians, when you read Philippians, he says, thank you for taking up an offering and sending it to me. He's virtually alone. But yet we don't see a beaten down man. We don't see a beaten man. We don't see a a defeated man. We see a man who's on fire, ever praiseful of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when we come to the end of the epistle, he's not filled with, with despair, but he's filled with praise, despite the circumstances I just outlined. And his whole life, when you think about it, he ends the book of Philippians with this beautiful statement. It reminds me that here in the United States in 2016, or here in Illinois, in 2016, or in Chatham, or in your subdivision, or even in your home. What's going on in the culture? No matter what's going on, we don't need to look to the left. We don't need to look to the right about our circumstances. We need to look up towards Christ. Ever keep our eyes focused on Christ. Because he writes, as he concludes, chained To a Roman God. Now to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Be the glory forever and ever. Amen. This statement of praise, it spoke to me this week on how I should be praising, how I should be worshiping, how I should be giving glory to God. Because he wasn't just closing out this letter Sincerely, Paul, in Christ, Paul, that's fine. He wanted, <clears throat> he wanted us and the Philippians to know, look, you know what, where I am. I'm in prison. You know what I've been through. But here's what I'm about. Here's my heart's desire. Here is my soul concern. That the Father be glorified forever and ever. Amen. That's what Paul wanted. So how do we do it? How do we do We read this word glory in Scripture quite a bit, and it usually refers to one of two things. Okay? Glory can refer to the glory of God, who he is, his glory. And actually, Philippians is kind of unique because in one verse prior to that, that's what that word glory is referring to. Because in 19, Paul writes, And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. In Christ Jesus. That's God's glory. It's, it's, the, <clears throat> it's the sum and substance of all that God is. That's God's glory. It's his fullness. It's his eternal nature. His alphaness. His omega-ness. Right? All of his divine attributes. All of his divine perfections that comprise this goodness of God. Right? It's his... It's his Righteousness. It's his omnipresence. It's his loving kindness. It's his wrath. It's his mercy. 
It's his grace. It's his love. It's who he is. It's all of these things and more that just make up the glory of God. And there's nothing we can do to add to it. There's nothing Mark Huber can do on earth to add to that glory because he is who he is. He was. He is. He forever shall be. He's eternal. The glory of God. And he dwells in heaven. He dwells in heaven. And heaven seems to be where his glory is put on full display because the heavens just radiate with his glory to the point to where we sometimes refer to heaven as glory. It's where the brightness and fullness of his deity is. That's the glory mentioned there in verse 19. According to his riches, in his glory, in glory in Christ Jesus. It's the personal glory of God. It never decreases. It never increases. It's forever the same. It's the greatness that belongs to God alone. God's glory. Other times in Scripture, when we read the word glory, it refers to us as the source, like we saw in verse 20. We're the source, and we're going to give, and we're going to praise, and we're going to give glory to God. It's almost like as a response to what we just saw in verse 19, as a response to understanding who God is. Oh, my goodness. You are so holy. In response to that, we give glory. We praise him. Right. It's cause and effect. The more we understand the breadth and depth of his love and the magnificence of him and his power, then our hearts have to our hearts have to respond and we worship him. And we give glory to him. We magnify his name, which belongs to God alone. So as we gather today, our hearts should mirror Paul's. That's our, my prayer, that out of love and understanding of who he is, we've gathered today to give glory to God. Sunday mornings at Chatham Christian Church, it should not be about us. Right? It should not be about our experiences. Did the praise team sound good? Is Mark going to see off, sing off key in a minute when we get to the hymn? And you know I will. Okay? It's not about that. It's not about us. Right? It's about him. We should come and give praise and just worship and focus him. Because regardless of what's going on around us, we need to give. Worship is about giving to God, not receiving. So this is how Paul concludes this extraordinary epistle, right? That regardless of his circumstances, that we just know that he's gone through a lot, he's ever vigilant, ever praiseful, ever giving glory to God. And that should be us. Look, think of it this way. There's none of us in this room, none of us, that has an easy life. You might look around and say, oh, I think they do. But, you know, none of us in this room has an easy life. We all face difficulties of one sort or another, right? All of us. We live in a fallen world, and these difficulties come at us, and they pull us, and they, they kind of suck the very energy right out of us. But it's ever, ever so important, absolutely critical, that every one of us keeps our eyes focused on the one true God during all of these situations and to give him glory. Scripture is absolutely clear on this. David David understood this. Let's look at Psalm 29. David absolutely understood this. In Psalm 29, he writes, Ascribe to the Lord, O sons of the mighty, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. 
Ascribe to the Lord the glory. Do his name. Worship the Lord in holy array. In Psalm 115.1, he writes, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to thy name, to your name give glory because of your loving kindness, because of your truth. Isaiah, through the prophet Isaiah, the Lord says, and the Lord says, I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another, nor my praise to graven images. God is a jealous God. He won't give his glory to another. He wants it all. Isaiah 48, 11. For my own sake, he says, for my own sake, I will act. For how can my name be profaned? And in my glory, I will not give to another. He must have it all. The scriptures are clear. So will you give glory to God this morning in our worship service? The more important question is this. Is tomorrow, come Monday, when you go to work, will you be filled? Will you give God glory in all of your circumstances? Tuesday, Wednesday, will you give him the honor and praise? Because, because by his grace, we have been saved. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever shall believe in him shall have eternal life. Eternal life. That's what Paul is thankful for. That's why he is ever praising and giving glory to God. Because by his grace we are saved. Eternal life. Eternal life. Worldly life. Eternal life. Worldly life. What are we spending our time doing? You know, Francis Chan, good preacher, had a great illustration I saw long ago, so I'm going to borrow it from him this morning. Okay, can I have Reagan and MJ come up here real quick? I'll borrow this little quick little illustration that kind of reinforces our, our, our thinking of praise this morning and worship and God being worthy. And MJ, would you grab this end, please, and kind of walk towards that door? Reagan, hopefully the center is okay. We you start walking that way? Keep going. Grab the rope. Keep pulling. Keep pulling. Keep going. Now, I want you to use your imagination. Okay? Use your imagination. That this rope is a timeline. It's a big, long timeline, right? That's what this rope is. And actually, this timeline starts with MJ and goes on forever. Oops, it extends. It just keeps on going. It goes to Springfield, past Reagan. It goes to Chicago. It goes up to Canada. It keeps on going forever and ever. This timeline. MJ, come here, please. And come here, please. (laughs) Thank you. So this timeline starts right here. What this timeline represents is your existence. Starting here on earth. Timeline. Our existence. Our eternal eternity. Eternal existence. And When we talk about giving praise and getting distracted, how much of our efforts and energy is spent right here? That this is what we think about when we should be thinking about all of this, the rest of our existence for eternity. But yet we constantly come back to this and we wake up and we think, I need to make more money for this. Or I should really go buy this and I should spend the next two hours researching it because, because of this. How many of your 24 hours in a day is spent on this stuff? 
Why aren't we focusing on this? It's like we have it backwards, right? It's like it's kind of all mixed up. Eternity. Pray. Thank you, Reagan. You can just drop that. Praise and worship him for eternity. Our names are in the book of life. That's so worthy. I love the picture in Revelation 5.11. And I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Man, as human beings, that should floor us when we read that. In the book of Revelation, the Google definition for myriads, back up a screen, please, Chris, the, the, for myriads is countless, countless upon countless, thousands upon thousands. The NIV translates this 10,000 times 10,000 angels falling before the throne of Jesus. Worthy is a lamb. Take out your phone. No, don't. Don't take out your phone. Later, take out your phone. Punch in the calculator. 10,000 times 10,000. 100 million. Imagine 100 million of something, ears of corn. 100 million people in this yard out here. 100 million. John could have wrote, and I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels. 100 million angels around the throne, and the living creatures and the elders. And the number of them was 100 million, and they fall down, and they worship the Lamb. All honor and praise and glory be to Him. Wow. That's why we praise the Father. That's why we praise the Son. And that's what Paul and Philippians want. Everybody know. No matter what the stuff is of this going on, difficulties, focus on the rest. Focus on eternity. That's what's the prize. And that's what's important. The angels in heaven have no problem falling down and worshiping Jesus. And we shouldn't either. Because he's what he's done. He left that. He left that picture to come to earth and to die for us, for the forgiveness of sins. He is so worthy to be praised. So one of the ways that we praise is obviously we gather here, we sing some songs. But really, when we get this picture, it's three songs on Sunday morning. You know, is that praise enough? Gosh, no, it's not. what, What can we do? What can we do? Well, in, in one of the most well-known verses in Philippians, a little bit before that, Paul writes, and I know you've heard this verse before, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. This is one way we give glory to God. We, we rejoice. We're content in the Lord always, regardless of our circumstances. Being content no matter what happens on earth because we know this picture in Revelation. We know our eternity is secure in Christ. We could fall sick. We could lose all of our savings. All of my retirement could somehow disappear. My children could somehow become disobedient and cause me hardships. And all those things are very sad, I agree, but they can't rob us of this joy. They can't rob us of that joy. That's what the world has to see. Right. Jesus makes this clear in Luke chapter 10. He outlines this. Remember, in the the beginning of the chapter, Jesus sends his disciples off two by two to prepare the way. And 70 returned with joy. And they said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in our name. 
And what's Jesus' response? Jesus says to them, well, keep on going. I was watching Satan. I was going to say, yes, 20, 20. I was going to get to, to 20 because he says some good stuff before that. Go back and read that. But they come back. Even the demons are subject to us in our name. Isn't that great? And Jesus says in 20, go to 20, Chris. He says, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice in what? That your names are recorded in heaven. Jesus says the things of earth, this little thing up and down, don't rejoice in this stuff. Rejoice in this big, long piece of rope, eternity. Rejoice in the fact that your names are recorded in heaven in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice always. As every aspect of our life. It's foundational to glorifying his name. Because what do we do? We show the world that God is in control. We show the world we trust God. The world needs to see this. <clears throat> You know, when we don't take this passage seriously about rejoicing, then what happens? Sometimes we get grumpy Christians. We get angry Christians. We get Christians that complain. We get whiny Christians. And when we're not rejoicing in the Lord always, glorifying God, then what's the world seeing? They're seeing something that's no different than them. Nothing that appeals to them. They just see them in the whininess, the grumpiness, the complaining. Right? Foundational to glorifying God, being set apart, is joy in what he's done for us, regardless of that. Make them want what we have. Right? You know, Paul is serious about this. Chris, put that up there one more time, please. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Maybe, sometimes. No, he's serious. He's like, rejoice in the Lord. And wait a minute. I'm going to write it again. I'm going to say it again. Rejoice. Look through some writings of Paul. You don't see a lot of other imperative statement commands written like this. Where he says, I need to say it again. It's that important. Rejoice. But God who's our good, good father, like we sang about earlier, doesn't want his children running around earth all worried, stressed out, anxious. Right? I'm, I think like I'm a decent dad to Otto and Olivia. I've, I hope I've been decent. I don't want Otto running around stressed, worried, anxious. Right? God doesn't want us, his children, behaving like that. He wants his children filled with joy to rejoice in what he's done for us. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. You know, I kind of feel like walking out of church today, forgetting about this. It, it, it would be no different than hearing another command from God and just directly walking out and just not doing it. Sinning, right? We have to keep in perspective here what is going on. God, the creator of the universe, is telling us to rejoice in all things. We're his creation, right? He gets to make the rules. 
heard somewhere, read somewhere, can't remember. You know, God created the universe, therefore he gets to make the rules. Now, you might make your own rules, but you don't have a universe. Right? And that, for some reason, that just struck me like, yeah, that's kind of that's right. He's telling me to rejoice. I need to. I don't make the rules. Right? God hates divorce. It's clear. God hates divorce. Therefore, I hate divorce. I don't make the rules. I don't have a universe. Right? Homosexuality brings absolutely no glory, which we're talking about magnifying this beautiful creator God. Homosexuality, that lifestyle brings no glory to him. Zero. It's opposite of his intention. It's not glorifying to him at all. It's a sin in Scripture. It's clearly defined as a sin. Therefore, when I'm in a tough conversation, right, and I'm pressed on it, it is an abomination in the eyes of God. Therefore, it's an abomination in my eyes. I don't make the rules. I don't have the universe. Living together before marriage. How we talk, how we act, gossiping, lying, our lives, and all these things, we need to realize we don't make the rules. We didn't make the universe. It's when we submit to the Lordship of who He is and submit to Christ and rejoice, that's when we glorify the name of the Father. So as we, as we close... You know, reviewing the the glory of God, these pictures of His glory that we get in Revelation 5, 11, 100 million angels worshiping Him, or or the transfiguration when Jesus' glory was shown to Peter, James, and John, that picture, that might, that Moses faced when he came off of Mount Sinai, glowing just because he had a glimpse of the glory of God, spoke to him. We get this glory as much as we can picture His glory, God's glory, who He is. I think we'll all just be so pleasantly awed. We can't even imagine the holiness, the glory of God. Heaven. We can't even picture it. Our human human minds, I was going to say brains, our human minds can't even comprehend it. So, let's be filled with joy, right? Let's live lives of joy and rejoice that that is where we will be. Our names are written in the book of life for all eternity. So let's glorify him as we sing. More importantly, when we leave these four walls, let's glorify the Lord always, right?